It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Brianna and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the book and the film version of Escape from Witch Mountain. Escape from Witch Mountain. So you you picked this one. Yeah, because it's my second favorite movie. Yeah, when did you first see this? Um, when I was a kid, because me and it, well, it was actually my mom's favorite movie when I was a kid. So we used to watch it all the time when I was little. Like I have like strong memories of watching it with my mom and eating like those frozen appetizers, and it was like a big thing that we did. Because I think it came out when my mom was like. My mom was born in 67, it came out in 75, so yeah, I came out when my mom was a kid. I think she said it was actually the first movie she saw in theaters, but I could be wrong. Oh, wow. When did you first see it? With me, or before? I'd seen bits and pieces of it before, but never sat down and watched the whole thing. Was it, like, on cable or anything when we were kids? Disney Channel. Because I only watched it, like, it was on the Disney Channel? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have the Disney Channel because I was poor. Well, not poor, but my parents were cheap. Yeah, I think I had three different versions of the Disney Channel, because I had satellite. So I don't know if they were all the same channel that they were just playing at different times, or if there were three, like, specifically different ones. But yeah, one of them used to play a lot of the older movies. It's just picking up, like, different networks, right? Like, because it's all the Disney network, but, like, playing in different places, but satellite picks up all of them? Or is that how it works? I don't really get how satellite works. Yeah, it was definitely that. So yeah, maybe different disney channels like it's all the same network but yeah maybe they play different things in different regions yeah exactly but yeah so i saw this on tv in bits and pieces over the years but the dogs always really frightened me as a kid really so i I'd turn it off you watched horror movies when you were a kid but you couldn't watch barking dogs in, in a kid's movie well i mean as a little kid probably like i don't know like three or four i'd see it on tv and i'd get scared mm, i still think that's a little embarrassing i'm sorry <laughs> I don't mean to be rude. Like, I'm sorry if that was traumatizing for you to hear some dogs barking. They, If you watch the movie, the dogs were actually friendly. So There's actually the animated dogs that I remember scaring me in the beginning. During that they, cool. are, they are a little bit scary. And another thing, I think that you like this, but I really don't like how olden days movies have so many of their credits at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I do like that. I find it annoying because I'm, like, waiting for the movie to start. Like bro like this is boring i want to watch the movie like these are supposed to be the end so i don't have to watch them yeah like when we were watching uh godzilla versus kong yesterday those ones went on forever at the beginning of the movie yeah do you remember that apparently i was not paying attention to that yeah you're probably looking at your phone because <laughs> it was in the drive-in that's the benefit of going to a movie in your car 
But yeah, they they just went on forever and ever. But these ones I thought were pretty cool. I like the dogs running around barking and the kids running away from them. They're just a cool visual. Yeah, but in reality, the dogs were actually kind of friendly anyways. Yeah, and that, that since we both read the book, it's kind of interesting that they put so much focus on the dogs in like the first 20 minutes. Because they weren't even in the book. There weren't even any dogs in the book, right? And they didn't even go to that guy's house at all. And like the... The grandpa guy, like the older grandpa guy, not the Duranian guy, but the other guy, like he wasn't even in the book either. Or was he that? No, he he basically was in the book. Like there was another guy, but it wasn't the same guy and he wasn't that important. Yeah, do you mean um, Aristotle Bolt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aristotle. I think that's a stupid... Is Aristotle... Okay, this might make me seem stupid, but Aristotle's like a... Like a... Like, who is that? That's like a guy from history or something? Yeah, I think he was a mathematician, I think. So, I, th- I think it's kind of dumb to name your villain that. First of all, it's probably rude to Aristotle's legacy if he was a good guy. I don't know if he was, so... Well, I, think it's, I think it's hard to say with historical figures. Who knows what we're actually seeing from them, so I don't even think about them as people. Well, I yeah, but my point is he didn't even exist in the book. Nope. Yeah, it was, we never find out who Duranian is working for in the book. Google says that Aristotle was a Greek philosopher and a polymath, whatever that is. He was taught by Plato. Oh, okay. I'd, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and he was the founder of something called Lyceum. What? You don't know anything about ancient Greece, but that's who Aristotle Bolt was named after. Also, um, Mr. Duranian in the book, I liked it when they were like, his name is Lucas Duranian, and then Tony was like, hmm, that sounds Armenian. Yeah, Armenian, yeah. I, I, I was surprised that they cast Elna Pleasance in that role, because he's definitely not Armenian. Well, there, the book had this whole, like, weird communist thing going on in the background. Yeah, I mean, it was in the 60s, so... Even though they were aliens, it was like oh, we came from Europe and the communists were after us and they don't care about anyone except the, the state. They don't care about people. Yeah, old father uh, O'Day went on that. <laughs> that was what, when I read that, I thought it was so funny because, hold on, I, I, I highlighted it in my book because I thought it was so funny. Let me bring it up. Yeah, I was, I was laughing too when I read that. Or listened to it, I should say, because I didn't, I didn't have time to read it, but I did listen to it. Well, that counts as reading. Yeah, but it's a little bit of a different uh, different vibe. Which, by the way, I'll just say, I was very happy to realize that uh, the narrator who was narrating my audiobook also narrated the Thrawn trilogy for any uh, Star Wars fans out there. He did a great job in those books. Did he use voices for the kids, or no? Uh, he did, yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I have this quote here, and he was like... Uh, he was like, oh, why would pe- they treat people that way? And then the priest is like, because human rights and human suffering mean nothing to a communist. Only the state is important to them. And then I thought it was so funny because he, he Tony just replied. He was like, oh, I see. And just continued on. <laughs> but then like a few, par- a few paragraphs later, he was like, imagine a small group advanced far beyond the idea of personal profit coming to a greedy commercial world. And I was like, what? Like... <laughs> Like, I thought you were, like, anti-communist, but now you're, like, anti-capitalist. Like, what's even going on with you? Well, Father O'Day just hates humanity. Yeah. He he just rants the whole book about how terrible humanity is. I I was like, hey, look at this guy. Guy after my own heart. 
But he wasn't even, like, grumpy, like the Mr. O'Day in the movie. Yeah, I guess that I guess they were trying to adapt that in the movie by making him so kind of bitter. But he was actually he was actually really nice in the book. Yeah, really jolly kind of guy. And he was like, yeah, and he was so helpful to them right away. Like I liked when they like broke into his house, and and he was all like, oh, like of course I'll help you. Come sit down. Like we'll do everything we can. And yeah, immediately believes them. I don't even know why he was a priest. Plot-wise, it didn't seem like it, he needed to be a priest, but then they just threw him random things like, oh yes, Mr. Duranium is like the devil. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. And maybe a little uh, strange that they're comparing, oh, he's like this Armenian devil. I was like, uh, maybe there's something weird here. Oh yeah, I didn't really even think about that. Yeah, the, it just felt a little outdated having such a religious figure, I thought. I was like, you don't really see that kind of thing as much these days, and I was kind of glad they took that aspect out of the movie. He didn't even seem that religious, though, and to me. I mean, like, it seemed like, to me, it seemed like the author just threw in little bits to make him seem more religious, but the character himself didn't seem religious. And, like, a priest wouldn't normally, like, be all like, oh, yes, you're aliens, of course, like, right? He even has a, that whole thing in the end when he starts ranting about, of course, wow, people are so ignorant to think that God wouldn't have, like, this would be the only planet that God would make. Yeah, why would he care about us? He only cares about the aliens. Yeah, because he hates humanity so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I really, I really liked at the end of the book when he's like, God's given me the power to kill you all, but unfortunately you're leaving, so I can't fight you. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty weird too. I was like, whoa, what's going on with Father O'Day? Is he even hitting the bottle? <laughs> I, but I, another thing I liked about the end of the book was um, that he was like, oh, I'll just give it a little bit before I go join them on Witch Mountain. Oh, I don't think I remember that line. Yeah, he said that at the very end of the book. He's like, oh, it was literally yeah. like one of the last sentences. And I was like, oh, that's nice because in the movie he was all sad and it's like, oh, I'll probably never see them again. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah, I think that was like the last line. It ended so abruptly. Yeah, it did. I was like, oh, that's it. Oh. Yeah, they, they wrapped it up super fast. Like all of a sudden they're like, they saw the spaceship. Then they were in it. <laughs> Father O'Day's, uh, he, he stops beating up those guys and he's like, oh, I guess they're going away. I'll, I'll see them again one day. <laughs> and in the audiobook, the music started going up. I was like, wait, what's going on? Is it ending? <laughs> but um, it was really interesting. Like all the, um, so much more backstory in the book. Yeah, but I, I think they condensed it down pretty good in the movie. Yeah. Like it's not one of those movies where you watch it and you feel like you're missing out on a huge spot of the story. It's just little details and. But reading the book, you uh, you definitely got like a lot of interesting pieces about like them coming over from Europe and how like how like well in the because like in the book, Tia couldn't even talk. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "Oh, actually, like most of us can't talk. It's actually abnormal that I can talk." Oh, I don't think I remember that line either. Weird. Yeah, to Tony was like, yeah, like, the problem wasn't, like, our people learning to speak English. They learned English fine. The problem was, like, most of us couldn't speak. Like, only some of us had the ability to, like, speak at, like, the lower frequency that, like, human beings can hear. Oh, yeah, because she would speak at a higher, yeah, weird high frequency. Yeah, because in the movie it was more like telepathy, but in the book it was more like they were actually speaking, but just at too high a frequency for other people to hear. Yeah, and that's where I kept thinking that the dogs were going to come in. Yeah, that that does make sense, yeah. Because so I was like, oh, she's speaking at a high frequency. The dogs are going to hear it, and they're going to find them. And they just never showed up. But I was kind of disappointed that they didn't go to the mansion. 
because that was always my favorite part of the movie when I was a kid. Yeah, it's so, such a beautifully designed mansion, too. I wanted to look up where it was, but... I did I did look up where it was, because I was looking up where the movie was filmed, because I was wondering if it was filmed in BC and it was filmed in California, but I saw on IMDb that it listed all the filming locations, which, is that a thing? Do they always do that? I didn't realize that. Oh, uh, they frequently do, yeah, in the trivia areas. Um, let me bring it back up and I can tell you, because it's, like, right here. Yeah, I'd like to know the name of that place. No, it wasn't even, it wasn't even the trivia areas, it was, like, a whole place, like, a whole location area. Oh. That's why oh. I was surprised. I didn't know that IMDb did that. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think they do do that, yeah. I think about it. It says Crocker Mansion, Pebble Beach, California. Yeah, I gotta look that place up, because very, very pretty. I was wondering if it was, yeah. like... Yeah, with, like, the ocean next to it. No, but just even the with the way, like, the doorways weren't square. They were, like, a weird, almost like a diamond shape, some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the beautiful chairs and stuff in there. I was like, oh, man, like interior design in the 70s. So much better than nowadays. Yeah, apparently it's worth like $27 million, the actual mansion. But what I really, I always really liked that part of the movie because I, like, the nice thing about in the movie versus the book is that for a little bit, like, they had some hope and they were just excited and they were like, oh, maybe it'll be okay, you know? Like, they were a little worried, but they were also kind of happy. Yeah, that scene with the, the ice cream excited they got yeah and they yeah they went and they got the ice cream and the ice cream legitimately looked delicious yeah and i just gotta point out that that girl what was her name again see i didn't do my research very well today i think it was kim richards was that it the actress yeah yeah kim richards yeah she was in another movie the year after this called um assault on precinct 13 oh yeah i think i remember you watching that yeah, and she goes and gets an ice cream cone and has a very uh, memorable scene with it. So I was like, hey, look at her. She's like obsessed with ice cream. She probably wrote that in both these movies. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked I really liked when they ate the ice cream. And they were just like so excited. They're like, strawberry and vanilla, our favorite flavor. <laughs> but, um, but then, you know, like they go and they have like all these rooms. Like, because as a kid watching this movie, like that was like a dream come true. It was like, imagine you go to this mansion and like, I read a lot of books as a kid, so, like, the idea of, like, living in a mansion with, like, a whole suite of rooms to yourself, not just one bedroom, that was, like, amazing to me. They had, like, they each had their own bedroom, and then they had, like, a playroom, and they had, like, a little ice cream shop, and they had, like, the little place with the puppets and the marionettes, and, like, it was, like, so cool. Like, I would love to have a room like that, or, like, an area like that for myself. Yeah, it's like a little fantasy element in the movie before the dogs start barking and getting all scary again. Stop being scared of the dogs. They weren't even scary because Tia can, like, talk to the dogs and be like, Hey, dogs, it's it's chill. Just, just it's fine. Don't worry about it. And those marionettes. I always love marionettes. So I, that was one of my favorite parts. I really like that duck with the, like, flapper dress. Or I don't know if it was a duck, but you know which one I mean. Yeah, and the way people make those things dance, it looks so lifelike. Like, there's such, like, a kind of natural movement to them. Marionettes are super cool. Do you remember when when we were kids, they had those toys? I think they were called, like, Doozy or something, and they were a marionette, and they were, like, they kind of looked like a Muppet or something? No, I, I don't think so. Oh, they mm. were really cool. I had a bunch of them. But the thing was, the, the strings got really fucked up all the time, and it was super annoying to untangle them. Yeah, I bet that'd be tough. Yeah, so that was a pain. But did you see where it says that, um, in the, um home video editions the entire marionette scene had to be cut 
No, I didn't. Yeah, because most of the music in the movie was composed specifically for the movie, but in that scene, they used uh, pre-existing music, and they had music rights issues with it. And so, in the early home video editions, they had to cut that scene completely out. Oh, wow, that's horrible. Wow. Yeah, because it was a really good scene. Yep, it is. It also kind of calls back to more classic Disney. I feel like they had that kind of stuff going on in... Um... And it says that um, those same marionettes continue to be used for performances at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. We could go see them. Did you ever see... I, I'm, I'm sure you didn't see this. Team America World Police. <laughs> Does that sound like something I would have seen? <laughs> it came out when we were like 10, and it was a like R-rated action movie done completely with marionettes. Huh, that's weird. Yeah, the, the humor was a little bit off-putting sometimes, but I just thought it was fascinating to see a, like... Like a big budget kind of movie made with marionettes. Super interesting. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, with with the kids, how do you think they came across the movie <laughs> in terms of their performances? I think they did a good job, but it, it had that like I don't know why like old timey actors gave that kind of performance, where it was kind of like I don't know how to describe it, where they like talk in that kind of weird kind of like campy tone of voice. Well, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why, did they, why did they do that? Like, because they did that, but, like, everyone was doing that in older movies. Well, for a long period, um, naturalism just wasn't really the way people were taught to act. Like, Even in 75? It, it would have changed by that point, but not so much for television. This was not television. It wasn't, but it was put out by Buena Vista, which was Disney's kind of television branch. Was it? And so maybe But my mom kinda... saw it in theaters. Yeah, it, it, this one did go to theaters, yeah. But a lot of the cast, in terms of, like, the old grandpas, like, there's a million grandpas in this movie. Oh my god, yeah. And the most kids, of them... The kids gave that performance, though. Yeah, I'm just saying maybe this was, like, produced by, like, their television branch. It didn't yeah, really seem like it had much of a budget, either. Uh, like... What are you talking about? They were flying! There was a flying uh, <laughs> RV! Like, that's that's freaking crazy, man! Yeah, the helicopter that probably took up a bunch of their budget, but the cartoon helicopter. Well, there was a real one for a little while during that chase with the RV. Was the RV actually flying? Tell me the truth. No, at one point you can even see like I thought it was just um like a toy, mm. but then I was like, wait, there's even strings attached to it that I can see. Like, what's going on? I don't even understand. Wait, what really? <laughs> was it a life-size cardboard RV? No, I'm sure they just had like one that they had on strings, kind of floating. And they mm. superimposed it on there, but yeah, it looked terrible. It was so bad. <laughs> I did like the the helicopter RV chase, though. I always like when they bring in helicopters and chase scenes, for whatever mm. reason. Um, but you know what I thought about um the cat is that I noticed in the in the book, Tony really didn't like that cat at the beginning. Mm -hmm. and he kept being like, oh, leave that cat behind. Like, that cat's only gonna slow us down. Like, I feel like he was just, like, really, like, like bigoted against that cat. Well, he was just worried that the cat would run around and cause problems for them. And I think it did once. But not really. I think there was one time when they were trying to escape, and they're like, where's that fucking cat? It was helping them. Like, like one time the cat, like, woke Tia up when Mr. Geranium was at their house. Oh, yeah, that's true. And in the, the movie, the cat found those keys, you know? Oh, yeah, that's true. 
I saw in, uh, again, IMDb trivia that that cat really didn't like the kid who was playing Tony. Who would? And apparently scratched him up all the time and was, like, biting on him. That was so mean. <laughs> I, I just insulted that guy for no reason. Yeah, I liked him. He he definitely um, struggled with his lines a little bit more than the actress did playing mm. Tia. Like, some of his deliveries were a little bit more clunky, but they're both super cute and funny in their performances, so... They're very cute, yeah. So I don't mind. <laughs> I really liked it how, um... Mr. O'Day was all like, I would like to imagine you as my own children. Like, he said that twice, didn't he? Like, he said at the end, but he also said something kind of like that when they were, like, camping. Yeah, well, didn't they say that his wife... Did he have a daughter that died, too? No, he didn't have a daughter. He had a wife, but she died, like, right after they got married. Yeah, so maybe they wanted to have kids, and he just... He turned to a bitter old man after she died and bought his RV, and that was his only family. I really liked it when he was like, oh, like, if you know so much about me, why don't you just call me by my first name? <laughs> and he just, like, exploded on them. <laughs> Even though he was asking. But he just felt, like, touchy because they were bringing up, like, traumatic things from his past because he was like, oh, this is why I never married. But then Tia was all like, but you did marry, Mr. Roday. Oh, yeah. Like Don't you remember? <laughs> yeah, why well, lie about it? Just don't think about it, I guess. Yeah, he probably just wasn't even thinking about it because it was like... And then he made a promise that he would never give his love to another woman or another person at all. And he never did until he met those kids. Which is pretty sad because he's a pretty old grandpa. I mean, he's probably like mid-70s. Yeah, and he was young when he married that girl. And they had a house together and everything. They said it was a white house with yellow shutters. The White House presidency or... (laughs) He was the president until his wife died, and he just couldn't he couldn't do it anymore. I was going to mention this at some point. So, like, a bunch of the grandpas in this were also uh, in Colombo. Okay. And that guy played a general who uh, was a murderer in one of the Colombo episodes. A very good one called Dead Weight. I, I saw something, some other trivia that I thought was interesting, which is that Kim Richards is the aunt of Paris Hilton. Mm. Yeah, that's what it says here on our Wikipedia. That's that's pretty random, huh? That's super random, right? Yeah. Oh, but I guess since we're talking about trivia, um, I saw that both those kids, Kim Richards and... What's that other kid's name? I Tony Malone. I saw that the two of them were in a movie together, also playing siblings, the mm-hmm. same year that the sequel to this movie came out. It's called Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell. So we're going to have to watch that at some point, because I'm fascinated to see that. Devil Dog, the Hound of Hell? Yep. The the kid that plays Tony, isn't that? And uh, Kim Richards, the two of them together, playing siblings oh. again. As adults, or...? No, it came out the same year as the second Escape from Witch Mountain movie. Ooh, they, were, they gave a real bad performance. <laughs> yeah, they one. did. <laughs> and I saw an image of that, what the Devil Dog looks like, and I was like, oh my god, that looks so bad, so... <laughs> I see here that Kim Richards was also on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Do you think we should watch that with Carson? As an adult? I guess so. I mean, they weren't making that show in the 70s. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Weird. I guess she's a real housewife of Beverly Hills. Even though she's uh doesn't seem to be married, according to her Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. And it says that her sister is on that show, too. Which her sister also appeared in this movie. She played the little kid version of her during all the crashing boat flashbacks that we see a million times throughout the movie. Oh, okay. 
I was actually wondering about that because I was like, oh, it looks kind of like her, but they're not like staying on her long enough that I can tell if they're using the same actor or not. Yeah, which how, how do you think they translated those scenes from uh, the book to the movie? <laughs> well, did they really describe them much in the book? I feel like they didn't. They did describe her kind of looking off in a daze. Yeah, but every time she tried to talk about it, she'd, like, get so distraught. She'd be like, I just, I can't think about this anymore. I just can't. Don't ask me about it. And Tony would get, like, kind of annoyed. He'd be like, okay, but, like, if you just kept thinking about it, like, we really need to know. And she'd be like, no, I just can't. Just don't ask me again. It was fair. I mean, it sure was traumatic for her, but it was kind of like, come on. I mean, we know it's there. You just got to reach for it, and we need it right now. I liked that in the book, like, their powers were, like, more, um described like that she had like this perfect memory like that's really interesting they didn't have that in the movie at all like maybe she had it but they didn't like say it yeah and the the purpose of her little star box um was completely different in the movie too oh yeah and it had all that money in it yeah they kind of dropped the money part yeah since she couldn't speak she needed to uh pull out a piece of paper to write and communicate with people that way yeah right i forgot about that what did she even keep in it before? Uh, in the movie. Uh, I just had the map. She just had it because it looked cool. I guess for some reason. Because I did read the book when I was a kid. Like, but I didn't really re- The only thing I remembered about the book from when I was a kid was that she couldn't speak out loud. Because mm. I always thought it was weird that they didn't put that in the movie. And I always thought that um, it made their relationship more interesting that like he had to do the speaking for her like she had the stronger powers but he had to kind of like communicate for her so i i like that so i always thought that was unfortunate they didn't put that in the movie yeah and that one lady was such a dick to her about it the uh (laughs) the person at the orphanage you know people always do that in movies to kids like if they can't talk they're like well why don't you talk yeah especially if there's like no medical reason like if they're not mute Mm. They're just like, get over it and start speaking. Screw your trauma. But yeah, the lady at the orphanage in the book was like, evil. Not evil, but she was pretty mean. Yeah, she was just kind of a curmudgeonly old bitch. She was probably like, I got a million kids to deal with. You don't talk. Like, just be normal like the rest of them and your stupid brother. And that place was like, kind of like, locked down. Yeah, it was, it was making me think of uh, the orphanage in The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, and that and that one guy, the one guy, like he got in like a knife fight with Tony, and then got sent away with the police. (laughs) Yeah, truck. Yeah. Did he have that same name in the book? I don't remember if he had the same name. Yeah, I like the truck in the movie. He's like this like nerdy looking kid, and they try to make him look tough. (laughs) Yeah, in the book he was actually kind of scary, but he wasn't in it for that long. Yeah, he seemed more like a genuine bully. This other kid just seemed kind of like a bewildered kind of. Mm-hmm. Not very well behaved, but not a bully type. <laughs> yeah. And they had the whole nun part in the book, too, which was interesting. Oh, yeah, Sister... What was it? Agatha, maybe? Yeah, something like that. She recognized the symbol on the Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. And then, for some reason, that prompted them to call the priest. Yeah. Like... Well, because once, once Duranium... They didn't even... They didn't even really know that priest. The, like, I guess maybe, like, Tony knew the priest outside of the context of the book, but he just started talking about him, like, yeah, I know this priest, like, he's a great guy, like, don't worry about it, like, he'll take care of us, but, like, there hadn't been any previous scenes with him or anything. Really? I remember that differently, but maybe I'm wrong. You read it more recently than I did. Yeah, I read it today. Yeah. 
And I listened to it all in one sitting while I was at work, so I mean, maybe. Yeah, I read half this morning and half half this afternoon, so. Mm. Yeah, definitely recommend that to anyone who's interested. I mean, I would have never thought to read it in a million years. But... Yeah, and it and it was a really fast read because um, I think it was probably like maybe 150 pages. It says more on my Kobo because the thing is smaller but i think it's like 150 pages in a traditional book yeah it's four hours on audible so it's a really easy kind of easy to digest book yeah it, it was it was enjoyable and easy because i guess would it be a children's book um yeah i would say children's book but it's not super kiddish no but i mean i i liked it when i was a kid i guess yeah, the movie's more kiddish with kind of the sense of humor. The book doesn't really have much of a sense of humor, just besides Father O'Day's kind of weird outbursts. <laughs> yeah, which probably aren't supposed to be funny. Maybe they are, I don't know. I, I think at times they're meant to be funny, yeah, but it could have also been my narrator, because my narrator gave him, oh. like, a, an accent. <laughs> okay. An Irish accent. Yeah. I did not imagine him with an Irish accent, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, Father O'Day, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Catholic, and that's why I was making the boozing up reference before, too, because I'm uh, apparently a stereotyper. Yeah, it's really rude. <laughs> After um, my, what's this, like, fifth bottle of wine I've, or fifth glass of wine I've had today? Um, another thing I thought was funny is, um, because I read half the book, watched the movie, and then read the other half of the book, so I hadn't, like, finished the book when we watched the movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, at the beginning of the book, when they go talk to Father O'Day, and they're showing him, like, their toys dancing with the harmonica and stuff, and they're like, oh, like, and we did this thing with the broom, and it scared oh. our foster mom when we, when she was so scared, and he's like, oh, no, I don't want to see that, like, that'd be too scary for me. I figured that would be the only mention of the broom thing, which is a bigger thing in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then they also did it in the movie, so I was surprised that they did it twice. But I didn't read that part till after we had watched the movie, so I was surprised that it came up twice in the book. Was it in the sheriff's office as well in the book? Yeah, they did it in the sheriff's office in the book as well. Hmm. Yeah, cause I was getting confused if that happened in the movie or if they just brought up the bears. Yeah, it happened in both. And they had two bears in the book. I thought it was too bad they didn't have two in the movie. Yeah, and I, I liked how the bears actually stayed with them, because in the movie they just were with them for a second, they were like, bye bears. Yeah, I love those bears. They're just hanging around grazing. And I like how that one hick farmer was like, there are some witch kids with their bear, I better blast off on them. Started firing at them. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and they started they started all being like, oh, they're bulletproof because I fired at them and I'm an excellent shot and they didn't die, but I think he just didn't hit them. <laughs> Probably some drunk old farmer sitting out there with his uh, moonshine. I really liked it when Father O'Day was like, you guys realize, like, you're out here with your guns, like, you could easily kill someone's child. Yeah, and they were all like, oh. And they all just, like, went silent, <laughs> like, oh, true, I would totally shoot any kid I saw. <laughs> <laughs> they were all thinking that, they were like, if I see a kid, I gotta shoot him. <laughs> It was scary in the movie. At first it was scary when they're all like showing up with their guns like, yeah, let's from this lynch mob to go kill these kids. It's terrifying. And uh, what's, I mean, I, I was going to say like what's scary is that like people are actually like that, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, no, maybe I'm just assuming. Are. are people really like that? Would people really be like, these kids are witches. Let's shoot them like children. Well, I mean, you know, in the South, if they're black, you know, back in that around okay. that same time. That's true. Like, we think but you these did something were, wrong. These, these were white kids. Um, and um, also, it was not the South. It was... 
<laughs> Somewhere between California and Washington. Yeah, they sure look like they're in the south, though. I don't know. Well, I think maybe, like, I don't know. I don't want to, like, say, like, stereotypes and stuff, because, like, I don't know that much about, like, what it's like in America, especially in the 70s, but I think maybe, like, when you, like, go inland in, in those, um, coastal states, maybe it's more, like, you know. A little more farmy. Kind of how the interior of BC is a lot more, um, conservative, to put it mildly. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Something about the ocean just makes people, like... But, you know, the ocean was in the movie, so they were on the coast. Or at least they couldn't have been that far from it. Yeah, they had some beautiful ocean shots. And there was that one great shot of them driving over that bridge. We had, like, the full mm -hmm. shot of the bridge. I was like, what a gorgeous location. Ooh, what about the part when they uh, turned on the motorcycle and, like, drove it off the cliff? Oh, yeah, that cop who shows up doesn't have any lines. He just looks around like, uh. Yeah, he never even says anything, does he? He just, like, walks over to the window and then, like, watches his motorcycle go off the cliff and then they drive away. <laughs> yeah, his reactions, too, were pretty mild. He's like, Yeah, uh? <laughs> Yeah, he was, like, so dopey. It's kind of like, there's, there's a 70s TV actor who doesn't know what he's doing. Well, don't blame the actor, blame the director, probably. Oh, yeah, I gotta quickly remember this guy's name. I think it's John Hugh? John Howe? That sounds familiar. Well, actually, John Hugh is probably a really common name. Yeah, yeah there's, there's John Hughes, but... Oh, is that... Who's John Hughes? He, he's the guy who you've, like, not seen any of his movies. Oh! <laughs> Thank you, that explains so much. The guy whose movies you haven't seen. Well, it, <laughs> it's odd that you haven't seen them because you love teen movies, and he's famous uh, for, like, kind of almost creating movie genre. I've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Well, I haven't I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've seen it on TV. Yeah, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles. I've seen Home Alone too. I think he just produced those, but. Well, I'm just looking on the Google, so it doesn't tell you. <laughs> it just uh, it just says what movies he's affiliated with in general. Yeah, but this director, um, he made a, a couple movies that I really really like. Um, a great car movie called Crazy Larry, or no, it's Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. And then um, a movie called Legend of Hell House. That sounds scary. There was another really cool um, Disney movie that came out in the 80s. It was a, like a horror movie. Because for a while, Disney was trying to be a little bit less kid-friendly. It was called The Watcher in the Woods. Disney tried to be less kid-friendly? That sounds like a bad movie. Yeah, funnily enough, too, the reason they hired this guy for this movie is because they were hoping to kind of go in that direction in the, the mid-70s. Okay. But then when they started making this, I think they just realized that going a little bit more kid-friendly was the way to go, but they wanted to make it darker, more of a horror mm. movie. I think that, that his last name would be pronounced Howe, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it I think it would be Howe, yeah. What does psionic mean? Psionic means it's like controlling, not necessarily telekinetic, but controlling through like sonic waves, like sound. Whoa, so that's what Tony did. Yeah, that's what he does with the harmonica, yeah. So he has psionic powers. Yeah, which is a little bit different in the book. In the book, it seemed more like the harmonica just helped him focus. I was going to say amputated. That's not the right word. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it, you could say amplified his power, yeah. Amplified. That's the word I was looking for, but I said amputated. <laughs> I guess it would have been psionic energy in, in the book, too, because do you think their power comes from their, like, weird high-pitched sounds they could make I, I didn't get that impression but... oh that's a good point and i really thought about that 
Because in the movie, it, like, even when they were just doing it with their minds, it made that, like, high-pitched sound, which could have been a, just a sound effect, but it could have been a sound that they were making. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really think about that either. Yeah, but what do you think about Mr. Bear, since we were talking about them a little while ago? Cuties. <laughs> I think yeah. I think it's nice um, how the movie, more than the book, focused on uh, how Tia can kind of, like, communicate with animals. Oh, yeah, with the scene with the, the horse. Yeah, and the dogs. Oh, yeah, the dogs, too. And, you know, she made a comment to Tony in the book. It was something like, because um, Tony was like, how can you, like, communicate with the bears? What are you talking about? And she said something like, oh, like, if all you have to do is just imagine what it's like to be a bear, and then you don't need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was really weird. That's funny, because when, when I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> really? That's how I feel. <laughs> okay, Caleb, you freaking weirdo. That's how I feel with the guinea pigs, too, you know? <laughs> and all animals. But I, I thought it was unfortunate when I was reading some trivia about the bear. Mm-hmm. Apparently that actress, like, loved working with it and, like, kept trying to spend time with it. And then when its um, handlers were cleaning it, she was like, oh, I want to come and bathe it, too. And then it had, like, a weird moment where it, like, grabbed her and picked her up and shook her around. Oh no! And she was really terrified of it afterwards. Oh, that's <laughs> it's too like, bad. Oh, no. Poor Mr. Bear. <laughs> and she was bonding with it before that. Yeah. It's like, oh. sad. I always think it's weird. You don't really see bears in movies the same way you used to in TV. It's probably not really ethical. Yeah, I think they kind of put the kibosh on it, but it's too bad that it was so widespread because they showed up a ton in, in TV in the 70s. I was always like, ah, oh, these bears, I don't know even if they even look super healthy. I don't know. I mean, that's how Tia felt when she saw the bear in the cage, and she wanted to, to let it go free because it wasn't right to keep a bear locked up like that. Yeah, it's just kind of weird to see it, because all the actors were totally fine, like, working around us. Like, it's weird to see a bear in this kind of environment. Well, they don't use wild animals in movies much at all anymore because they have the CGI. Yeah, that's true. Like, think about, like, um the movies with like cougars and stuff in it they wouldn't use a real cougar anymore yeah did they use a real uh, i was thinking about homeward bound that's what i was about to ask yeah it's like but i think there's also a movie about like a cougar that lives with a person but i don't remember it very well yeah because i always wonder how do they what did the handle how do the handlers treat them back then i know exactly i, I think they probably treated them fairly well but because, I mean, if you're spending that much time with an animal, like, the hope, at least, is that you're going to kind of bond with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's still not, uh, you know, animals aren't just there to, like, perform for us. Which is how I feel about children as well. So, you know, children shouldn't be in movies either, but what are you going to do? Yeah, and it also said the truth that the bear was only able to perform for about ten minutes a day. Otherwise, he would be completely non-cooperative. So they had to be very careful with how they uh, placed the oh, shots God. with them. Like, damn, could you imagine? No wonder they switched to CGI. Like, Yeah, that's fair. That's Soon they're going to switch to CGI for their kids. They're going to be like, what? We're only allowed to work with the kids half the day, and they had to have a tutor, and now we're going to have CGI children. Yeah, I saw that neither of these really... These kids really went on too much once they kind of hit the middle age. What are you talking about? She's in Beverly Hills Housewives. Yeah, but I think she took a break from acting after between. That's not actually acting, that's a reality show. Well, reality TV and acting, it's kind of a similar mode. 
Yeah, but I think like the Housewives show is kind of like one of those shows where they just film you all the time, like the Kardashian one. Mm. What did you think about when Uncle Benet was like, ho ho ho, it's easy to talk to a shark and convince him not to eat you, ho ho ho. Um, I, I thought that was weird. I, was like... I, I really didn't like the delivery or like anything about that. <laughs> Honestly, I was pretty disappointed by Uncle Benet. Sorry, but you know, they could have done better. <laughs> Yeah, didn't they even say his name weirdly? They were like, Uncle Benet! Uncle Benet! Like, <laughs> what do you mean by weird? Like, that's how you say his name. I thought they said, like, Uncle... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm going crazy. I feel like um the little girl had a little bit of a speech impediment, to be honest. But... Yeah, maybe, maybe that could be. But yeah, no, I didn't really care for his uh, visage. Yeah, when he showed up, he almost had, like, too jolly of a... <laughs> and he died in the book, right? Yes, but he wasn't that important. He wasn't even, like, their actual uncle. He was just, like, a guy that they called Uncle Benet. Hmm. I did love their uh, flying saucer that we saw, though. I was like, hey, look at that. That's pretty old school looking. I'm looking at the Wikipedia um, part where it says differences from the novel, and it's like, in the book, the children are befriended by Father O'Day, an athletic, young Catholic <laughs> priest, rather than crusty widower Jason O'Day. Wow, crusty? Poor, uh... Eddie Albert. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> I think he called himself Crusty. Oh, yeah, and, and, uh... They also mentioned, um, that in the book, the children's ship is shot down rather than crashed, which is a good point. It goes into the whole, like, European communist weird stuff going on there. Yeah, those commie bastards shooting down an alien ship. Yeah, they shot shot down their... I mean, it was a flying saucer. I would shoot it down, too. Fuck. No, no, they shoot it down. I think they said that um, they, like, executed all the aliens except for Father Benet and them. They, like, started blasting at them all once it crashed. Uncle Benet. Did I say father? Yeah. Um, I don't think they executed them. I think they just took them all prisoner. I thought, I thought they said they shot them. I don't see why they would because those people wanted the kids back. They wanted to, like, use their powers for their own good. Well, but I don't think it was the communists. I think it was just, like, weirdo kind of, like, crime bosses. We never found out who was behind uh, Duranian, but I think it was, like, a crime boss. It was, like, a Spanish ship people. No, this, the ship people were the ones that connected it to them because they were like, oh, fuck, how do we get rid of these kids? Let's go to this crime guy that we know, this kind of shady dude, Duranian. But I think it was, like, Duranian's people. Yeah, that was also interest an interesting twist in the in the book versus a movie i mean i guess you wouldn't call the twist since the book came first technically but that duranian was like the one who placed them with their foster parents in the first place Mm Mhm. that's interesting yeah and then once he once he found out about the powers he like went back to track him down yeah and here on wikipedia it says that duranian is working for a shadowy european cabal (laughs) oh they say cabal (laughs) (laughs) it says cabal yeah, and Donald Pleasance, who played Duranian in the movie, is another uh, Columbo killer. He was in a great episode of Columbo called uh, Any Old Port in a Storm, all about a wine. Uh, I can't remember if he was a guy who made wine or it was just a big wine connoisseur and killed somebody in a wine room. It's a great one. But anyway. <laughs> it says here that the novel is set a longer day the Atlantic coast, but they took the bus to Washington. Did they mean Washington, D.C.? Oh, um... Yeah, I guess so. Cause it, yeah, they took the bus to Washington, so I assume they just meant Washington State, but maybe they did mean Washington, D.C. It's not the impression I got at all from the book, but... Okay. Hmm. Yeah, me neither. 
What is Wikipedia? Maybe someone just screwed up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they've gotten better with Wikipedia, but they can still, you know, especially for things that don't get checked a lot. The Coleman Mansion is a school now. It's called Menlo Park Peninsula School. Oh, where they filmed uh, the... The mansion, yeah. Uh, Mr. Bolt's. Oh, wow. Hmm. Oh, yeah, and because I keep bringing up Columbo, Mr. Bolt was also a Columbo killer. <laughs> Ray Milan. And apparently... Oh, sorry. And some of the um, some of the actual students at that school appeared in the films. Oh, really? Was it the one with the braces? Does it say? <laughs> was it uh, the bully kid? Well, they were extras. But I don't know. No, it said extras. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> some of the reviews that they put in this Wikipedia article are weird. Like this one guy said, a sci-fi thriller that's fun, that's truly implausible, that's scary but not too scary. And this guy said, a solid adventure for the under-12 set. That might sound like a backhanded compliment, but compared to other recent Disney live-action features, which mountain is something special? Only rarely is it juvenile. That's fair. <laughs> and, uh, the New York Times said that it's not very scary, but it's also not very exciting. It's funny that they're focusing on the scary element of it. Yeah, maybe, I wonder if it was marketed as, like, a, like a thriller. Yeah, maybe Disney was kind of emphasizing the fact that they got that director. Because he had just made that, um, The Legend of Hell House, which was another, you know, like The Haunting, um, is based on that same kind of, uh, story. Yeah, but I really like Ray Milland in the movie. Who's Ray Milland? Mr. Bolt. Mr. Bolt. Aristotle. The Greek god. Aristotle Bolt. No, I'm just kidding. The Greek philosopher guy. Yeah, I always liked that actor. He, uh, was in a early Hitchcock movie called um, Dial M for Murder. And he's just always kind of a charming presence. He, he almost seemed a little out of place in this movie at times, like he didn't know how to react. There's that one scene when they first brought the kids in. Oh yeah, when he looked like just so unhappy. He was just like, I hate kids. Like, fucking kids. Why he looked like here? he didn't know what he was trying to trying to do in that scene. Like, the cat like jumped up on the thing and he looked like disgusted. Even some of the scenes when like the helicopter was flying upside down. He looked like he was like, I don't know what movie I'm in anymore. <laughs> but I still enjoyed seeing him, even though he's pretty old here. Yeah. Well, that was kind of ageist. <laughs> yeah, like, what, him being old would make you not enjoy seeing him? He was kind of hot when he was young. Yeah, he was. He was. But, like, not... Only some of... Like, I'm looking at these pictures of him, and, like, some of them, he's pretty hot, but some of them, he's kind of ugly, so it might just be good pictures. Yeah, he had, um... He could do a good sinister kind of leer to him at times mm. he was his he had a totally different name when he was born this is like a star is born oh really what was it alfred reginald jones alfred jones uh, yeah i guess ray milland has a little bit more of a pizzazz to it yeah there's something wrong with alfred jones though you gotta love old hollywood that they would just do that mm. ah your name's a little boring it wouldn't look good on a marquee how about ray milland <laughs> so strange do you think we should do a podcast on A Star is Born? Uh, maybe. I did really enjoy watching those movies. Yeah, it was fun. Especially the first one. Um, what about Mr. Geranium? Oh yeah, Donald Pleasance. Yeah, it's he was kind of in a weird place in his career. Like, he had a bit of a big period. Ew, he was uglier. He was actually hotter in this movie than when he was younger. Yeah, he was kind of an awkward-looking uh, younger guy. I really dislike his uh, mustache. Yeah, and his features were a little bit too long when he was young. They kind of mellowed out as he got older. But, um, 
Yeah, he was, like I said, the Columbo episode. He also played a Bond villain. Yeah, I just see that now on his Wikipedia. Yeah, and of course he was a big part of the Halloween franchise. And he was also a deranged guy named Clarence in Wake and Fright. Oh my god, yes, Wake and Fright. I, I think I talked about that movie on this podcast before, but that's like a nightmare on screen, that movie. Really? Where a guy goes into the Australian outback. Oh, he's dead, I didn't know. That's so sad. Yeah, he died um, <laughs> right before they released Halloween 6. He died when they were in the middle of making it. And um, it was one of the worst movies in the franchise. And it, like, when he died, it threw the whole production into chaos. Mm. And so they did this terrible end where he's just like, I've got some unfinished business to take care of. And he walks into a room and you hear him yell. And then the <laughs> credits come and says, in memory of Donald Pleasance. Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, my God, this horrible movie. And you're dedicating it to him. Like, what an embarrassment to his career. Uh, but yeah, I always like that guy. It says that he was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Actor for his role in Halloween. The first one? It just says he starred as that guy in Halloween and four of its sequels, a role for which he was nominated for Award for Best Actor. Yeah, he was good in the first one. I don't know about Best Actor material, but he's good. Well, it gave him a resurgent career, apparently. Yep, it did. Yeah, because he was doing stuff like this where it was just kind of like kind of small bit parts yeah he was a priest in prince of darkness oh yeah which i've never seen yeah he was also in escape from new york and um yeah he was all over the place in the the 80s and then sadly he just started doing halloween sequels until he died <laughs> but anyway well, it's a paycheck yeah but is there is there much else you want to say about the movie um i'm trying to think about everything that happened in the movie and if there's anything we didn't talk about I did like that scene where they were in the escaping the sheriff's office, that greedy old sheriff. And the the broom thing. Yeah, I like the broom thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fun. Yep. But also like scary. Like I agree with the priest in the book when he said the broom was too scary and he didn't want to see it. Yeah, I mean it it would be pretty terrifying if I was that sheriff. Like holy fuck, these kids are witches. Exactly. There was some, like, real witch fear, especially in the book, but in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. And in the book, um, Tony mentioned that he even thought that maybe he was a witch at first. He was like, oh, yeah, like, maybe maybe they're right about the witch thing. Yeah, and there was, like, a whole kind of, um, I think, I'm trying to think if it really happened in real life. But I know in, in movies there was a whole wish pu- uh, witch push in the 70s. Was there? There was a whole bunch of movies centered on witches. And um, I know, like, uh, telepathy and telekinesis were also a big thing that were people were making movies about in the 70s. In fact, I recently read The Exorcist book for uh, that podcast I did recently. And in the book, they uh, the whole book is kind of centered on, like, what would a, a possession really look like in reality if you look at the real medical science of the day? And apparently the author, William Peter Blatty, thought that telekinesis was actually like a real, just like genuine phenomenon that everyone accepted as reality. Oh, so interesting. <laughs> yeah, because that was a whole part of the book where they're like, well, she's telekinetic, but we can't use that as, because I mean, that's just natural phenomenon. Everyone knows tele- telekinesis is just a natural part of of uh, the natural world. It doesn't have anything to do with demons. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, another thing I wanted to talk about was um, Aristotle Bolt. Like, in the book, 
like the the plan they had was like mysterious but also extremely nefarious like like father o'day even mentioned them being like used as slaves mm -hmm. but in the movie like that guy was all like i just want you to teach me how to have the same powers as you just don't leave me you can have everything you want and i'll treat you so good and all i want is to just learn about your powers like what what did he exactly even want oh yeah he had like that weird thing where he was like you can detect oil if you walk across the ground can't you yeah but didn't he say something else too you can predict natural disasters yeah exactly but uh, he was just like randomly making that stuff up he didn't even know at all what they could do other than like telekinesis but he knew that they could predict the future to some degree because she predicted about that accident, so he's like, maybe they could win me the lottery. Maybe they could do this or that. Yeah, that's fair. But he doesn't need to win the lottery. He was a very rich man. He made that pretty clear. But you know that rich people just want to get richer and richer. Yeah, but it didn't seem like it was about money for him. But it also didn't seem like it was about power. It almost seemed like it was about he just wanted to have the powers for himself, almost. Like, it, I, I wonder if, like, he was hoping that he could learn how to do that stuff. You know, when he had that line when he was like, you just never leave me. For some reason, I got some weird, like, I don't know what vibe. But it was like, a, ooh, this is, this is bad. <laughs> he just seemed, like, so, like, enthralled by them. Like, almost, like, um, I don't know. Like, he didn't even seem that villainous a lot of the time. Yeah, that's fair. Like, he was more just, like, like, mystified. Yeah, I think maybe maybe Ray Melange played it too too charmingly. Maybe. Like he, he didn't play it quite villainously enough, especially later on in the movie when he's like chasing after them. I thought he yeah. almost played a little too comical. Well, it was supposed to be comical. Yeah, that's that's fair. Except for the dogs. That that was the beginning of the movie. We're talking about the end. Well, the dogs are pretty scary, that's all I'm saying. I don't know why you're obsessed with being scared of dogs. Like you need to stop being a wimp. And, like, what was that whole thing about, like, oh, all you need to do is imagine you are the animal, and then you can understand them. Like, what? Why don't you do that with the scary dogs? But those dogs were, they were trained to be bad. You could see the way they were training them. Okay, well, Tia did her thing, and they turned around and chased after the other guys. Yeah, well, when, when they walked past and you could see them training them, it was making me think of that Planet of the Apes movie, uh, Conquest, the Planet of the Apes remember that um was it a new one or an old one it was the second from last old one when they're in like the city and the apes are like the personal servants and we see their whole training room where they're like throwing flamethrowers at oh, them yeah. <laughs> and i was like oh my god whatever reason it made me think of that when i saw the dogs where they're training them i did think it was weird like because it seemed like they released the dogs on purpose to chase the kids didn't it that's what i thought originally because i saw the guys running at them but I think the dogs were- Yeah, but then that guy was all like, These dogs have screwed on my plan! And what was his plan, if not to have the dogs chase them? Um, I think they were just gonna- Um, cause the gate was locked. I don't think they figured they can get through the gate. Oh. I thought they were just gonna go get them. I think the dogs really did just break through. Like, they were so, um, enthralled by the chase. They just broke their way through. Well, they were like, we've been training for this forever. Let's- let's get to it, boys. <laughs> One part that was a little scary was that, like, th almost throwaway line they had where they were like, we'll take them to the chalet in the middle of a frozen tundra where they can never escape. Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. 
like, <laughs> are you sure? Like, you're just gonna leave them there, or you're gonna live in the tundra now, or? Well, they probably just leave them to cool out for a few years until you like break their spirit, just like they wanted to break that horse's spirit. <laughs> One more thing about the dogs. I did think it was creepy in the beginning. I don't quite get why it was there when they're like, um, when they're both laying in separate beds and she's like, do you hear the dogs? And he's like, yeah, I hear them. He's like, I think we're going to meet them one day. Yeah, and then she was, then she was like, soon, Tony. We're going to meet them so soon and I'm so scared. Yeah, see, I mean, if you feel like it's building up for something, like, like the dogs are going to be chasing like the whole movie. No, it's just, it's just that the dogs were like a premonition, like they were going to be at the place where the dogs were. Yeah, but that's fair. But I, I agree the movie did have a weird focus on the dogs, and then, like, not really, nothing really happened with them. Yeah, I think it was really scary in the beginning, and I just feel like it was a little bit... I think they probably scary. put the... Maybe we should we should have watched the trailer. I think the dogs would have been in there. <laughs> well, because all the reviews talking about how, like, oh, wasn't that scary? Like, maybe they used the dogs and tried to make the trailer make it seem like it was going to be, like a, like, a scary thriller kind of movie. Hmm. You know? Yeah, like I said with the reading a little bit of trivia, you were saying that Disney was trying to push more in that direction, so. Yeah, and like, do you think it was supposed to be, like, suspenseful? I, I could definitely see them advertising it that way. Even the, the little opening sequence, when it was like the kids running away and the dogs chasing them, had a more suspenseful kind of energy to it. Oh yeah, I forgot that the two actors were in Race to Witch Mountain with little parts. Yep, which is nice. Yeah. Did you see this trivia? It says... At one point during the fight scene between Tony and Truck, Dirtmont Downs punched the bat so hard it hit Ike Eisenman. In some scenes, despite the makeup department's best efforts, you can see a greenish bruise under his left eye. Yeah, I did see that. I, I kept looking for it. Remember when I was commenting that his eye was really red, though? Oh, yeah, that, that could have been it. That's yeah. probably why. Because his eye looked really red in some scenes. Aww. I'm just reading the trivia. Did you see the part about how the guy who played Tony brought a harmonica and taught himself to play, not knowing that they would dub it with a professional harmonica player? Yeah, I did. I thought that was sad. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't someone tell him? Oh, yeah. I, I do like that moment in the sheriff's office um, when he starts playing the harmonica. Hmm. And then the, the music itself kind of blends in. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Wait, there were three theatrical Witch Mountain movies? What was the third one? Uh, Race to Witch Mountain. Oh, of course. I didn't think about that. Yeah, did you see that one in the theater, by the way? Race to Witch Mountain? Yeah. No, I didn't watch that till like, way after it came out. I had no interest. I knew that it wouldn't, like... Because it wasn't a remake. It was, like, a modern reimagining. A totally different thing. Like, if it was a remake, that'd be different. Even if they just modernized the story but told it the same way, but it was, like, totally different. Yeah. I figured since your childhood connection that maybe you would have had an interest in it. No. Because I could tell right away that, like, it wasn't... I mean, it was called Race to Witch Mountain. Like, come on. That's stupid. Although I do like uh, Anna Sophia Robb. I really like her. Yeah, I, f I figured because we liked her, too. Does she act still? Um, I think she still does, yeah. She took a little bit of time off, but I think she still does. But yeah, I remember um, I was such a big fan of The Rock when he was a wrestler. But, like, all the movies he'd made up to that point I thought were pretty poor. And so when that came out, I was like, uh, The Rock in movies is bad, so I'm just going to avoid this movie. Even though I also liked Anna Sophia Robb from um, Because of Winn-Dixie. I don't even 
don't know what I liked her so much from. I just always liked her for some reason. Oh. Yeah, it says, um, the Pinewoods Orphanage, um, was a secluded 60-room mansion built in 1880, and there are countless stories of hauntings in the mansion, which were played up in the original press materials for the movie. Oh, yes, they were kind of leaning into that horror vibe. But that's a really weird thing to do, like, Haunted Mansion, because it was nothing like a Haunted Mansion. Makes me wonder when they added that Haunted um, Mansion a aspect to the Disney park. I thought they added that when they... Oh, no, they made the movie based on the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. I thought the for a second that the thing was based on the movie, but sure. that was wrong. Well, I didn't go to Disneyland when I was a kid or anything. Me neither. Not till I was, um, I think, 20. Maybe I was 18. Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't have a parent obsessed with Disney. Oh, but yeah. Any last, any final thoughts in the movie? Yeah, the make and model of the motorhome that flew through the air was a Winnebago. <laughs> I mean, your personal uh, thoughts on it. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you about the Winnebago. <laughs> I just, I remember when you were like, "What does RV stand for?" And I was like, "Recreational vehicle." And you were so shocked. You were like, "Brianna, how did you get so smart?" God, I remember why my parents wanted to buy an RV. Recreational vehicle. I was like, why on earth would you want to buy one of those? You'd never use it. Never in a million years would they use it. It can fly. Yeah, that, that was definitely one of the weaker elements of the movie. <laughs> the special effects of that thing. What? No, it was so fun. Oh my god. Like, yeah, it was super crappy, but it was so fun. Yeah, it was really funny in like a kind of bad um, moment. But imagine seeing it back in 75 would have been like oh this is this is going into silliness here okay here's the last piece of trivia i'm gonna tell you because <laughs> i think this is important to see it says believe it or not this is another spin-off of the demon child subgenre that was so hot in the movies in the 70s starting with rosemary's baby and then the exorcist there was an avalanche of children with mystical powers movies that exploded in this era most of them presented evil children with special powers, but a couple, like this and The Shining, presented good children with supernatural powers. Yeah, I, I, I did actually read that piece of trivia as well, and I was like, hey, this is wrong. You don't agree? Because I think it's actually started with uh, Children of the Damned. What's that? Um, I think Children of the Damned came out in 70, or uh, 63, I think. Now I have to look it up, of course. But do you agree that this was part of it? 64. Do you think that's why people thought it was going to be a horror movie? Because of those other movies? Yeah, I could definitely see it being in that vein. I disagree with Rosemary's Baby being included. I don't think that makes any sense. Was there... I never even finished that movie. Was there a baby at the end? There is, but you don't really get a look at it and it doesn't have any powers. I really think Children of the Damned is where it would have began. Is The Shining a good comparison to Escape to Witch Mountain? Um, it's a kid with psychic abilities, so yeah. And, and there was a bunch of them. But that was a horror movie. You could throw in Carrie in there. You could throw in, um... Oh, what was that one? There was a really, really silly one. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's fair that people would have thought that this would be a horror movie. Oh, The Exorcist. Yeah, like The Exorcist 2. Um, yeah, there was a whole bunch of psychic stuff in The Exorcist 2 as well, yep. And, um, a fire starter, although that was in the, the 80s. Yeah, there, there was quite a bit of them going on around that time. How do you think that this movie could have been different if it was, uh... If, if you were going to adapt the book into a horror movie, what would you have done? Um, I would have kept Duranium. Duranian? <laughs> Duranium. I like to call him Geranium. 
Because Donald Pleasance played him as kind of just aloof and kind of um, bemused by the kids. Mm-hmm. Like he was always like, oh, they're so interesting, but he wasn't like a villainous kind of character. Mm-hmm. And he always seemed kind of dopey. So you could have made him much more kind of um, like, get these kids at whatever cost and I'm going to use them and take away their rights. They should have listened to me the first time around. You could have made the kids a little bit more bloodthirsty too. Maybe not bloodthirsty, but just kind of like... I think the kids are supposed to be the victim though. Or or is it because their powers are supposed to be scary, so you want to make them like more like evil against the bad guys yeah maybe they don't kill anybody but they fuck people up pretty harsh because just having that like slam them against the wall with their magic powers yeah you can have them beat them beat them down with a broom till the broom breaks in half you know (laughs) i don't know i i don't know if it was really ripe for a a horror kind of take on it i think it could have been would you have kept the like weird communist stuff in there I no. think that, like, the creepy European cabal stuff was interesting. I would have taken it further. I would have had, like, like weirdo European villains coming and trying to get them. Or, ooh, or you could have um, bad children with powers that actually were uh, raised as slaves by the European people. And they were hunting the, the good kids. Yeah, it would definitely change what it was in the book, but, I mean, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, but I'm just thinking about, like, a reimagining. I mean, they already changed the book from the when they made the movie. I'm thinking of how they could change the book in a different way to make it, like, more scary. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you could have focused on making the mob, because it was kind of funny. Remember when, um, Duranium... Am I, am I saying that right? Was it Duranian? I just gave up on saying it right, because it's such a funny <laughs> name. Yeah, when they, um... Because there's that mob when they're like, Yeah, let's kill those fucking kids. And then Duranian pulls up, and then they all, like, run away, and they're all like, Yay, let's go! Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh my god, it's just turned silly. It was scary like a moment ago, and now it's silly. Yeah, they could have made those people a lot scarier, too. Yeah. But that's more, like, real scary. Whereas, I think, like, in my mind, I was thinking, like, supernatural scary. Or, like, paranormal, even. Yeah, I feel like they were kind of scary in the book, though, those guys. Especially because they would actually take shots at them and, like, genuinely wanted to kill them. Yeah, they were scary, but they were scary in, like, the the reality scary. Not yeah. the, like, supernatural scary, that's what I'm saying. Like, because, like, apparently Disney was trying to go for, like, a haunted house vibe in the marketing. Yeah. Yeah, and even, the, like I said, the hiring of the director. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about that. Yeah, what the movie could have ended up like had they not kind of changed their mind. Yeah. Well, but any final thoughts before we uh, end this episode here? <laughs> um, no, I guess not. Do you have any? Yeah, I think um, I think it holds up as a really enjoyable kind of kind of silly, but also charming kind of artifact of the '70s for Disney. I don't really think there's a lot of great Disney movies from the '70s. I can't even think of a single uh, Disney movie, animated movie from the '70s. Can you? Um, I'm not some kind of weird supercomputer that knows what year movies came out, so no. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, and then there's the Black Hole from Disney as well in the 70s, but that's not really a great movie either. I never heard of that. Um, but I would like to say that I don't think that this movie was silly. I just mean in kind of the effects and um, some of the performances, particularly the one kid, Tony. I feel like some of his performances were a little silly. I think he was doing his best. I agree, but... I mean, he, like, he freaking learned how to play the fucking harmonica for this role like he cared about the role yeah he did he did 
but no, I, I think it's I think it's a very charming uh, movie from that that period, and it's always nice to kind of look back to. It. I love seeing the the uh, carpeted floors and the wonderful kind of. Um... You know, we have carpeted floors in our bedroom. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, so retro. <laughs> uh, but they have shag carpet. We don't have that. I don't even know if they make places. My dad has shag carpet in his house. Well, maybe not anymore. He might have taken it out, but when I lived there, he did. Yeah, who wouldn't? Shag carpet. What a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, you, you can barely vacuum it. You can't do anything with it, I feel like. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And when, like, it, like, clumps up together when it gets really dirty and, like, oh, yeah. it's just horrible. Uh, but it does look good on screen, and I enjoyed seeing the 70s aesthetic. And I liked all the weird grandpas in here. Like, there's so many old old dudes. Like, what's going on there? Except uh, Uncle Manet. I did not like him. I didn't really like him either, but he's still another grandpa. I feel like, you know, an alien race, you know? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, like, body shame or, like, old man shame or anything. But come on, you got, like, this cool alien race with all these superpowers. And, like, the guy who comes and gets you is just, like, this old fat guy. Oh. Like, who's just like, oh, yeah. I talked to a shark so I didn't die, but I also didn't come find you. I just stayed on this mountain. Poor grandpa. I mean, he's just trying to act in a movie, you know? It's, it's the end of his career. He's working with Disney. He's on there. You know what? I have nothing <laughs> against that actor, but he was wrong for the part. He, he definitely kind of ruined that scene, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like, like it, the outfit, the, the styling, the delivery of the line, just everything. It was just wrong. Like, if there was anything in that movie I would change, it was that guy. Yeah, but I like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Donald Pleasance, so I like seeing him in this role. I always like uh, Ray Milland as well. Yeah, there's a lot of really charming aspects in the movie, and it's always fun to, to go back to it. And it was fun reading the book, too. Would you get one of those dogs? Um, I would not get one of those dogs. They were a little bit too big for me. I don't like a dog that's as tall as me. I was just thinking that, you know how you said we could get a dog? I want one of those dogs. Yeah, are those Great Danes, do you think? They almost looked as tall as like the people around them. I thought those were like bloodhounds. Bloodhounds. Let me Google what a bloodhound looks like. Now they're they're pretty giant. They were they were taller than those kids. I thought. Oh no, that's not at all what I thought a bloodhound looked like. Um, dogs escape to Witch Mountain. <laughs> I just need to see a picture of the dog. Okay. Pretty sure they were um, uh, Great Danes. And they weren't Great Danes. That's not what Great Danes look like. Doberman. That's it. Eh, Doberman, Great Dane. They both start with a D. You say you don't have any final thoughts? I don't really have any final thoughts other than the movie is not silly. It's very good. My favorite part is when they eat ice cream. And (laughs) that is my favorite part. It's always been my favorite part. I really like it when they eat the ice cream. Like... It's like my childhood fantasy to have like those fancy rooms like that. Like, I'm sorry, I wish that those guys were nice and they just stayed there. Like that would have been nice for me. And they do look very happy. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great movie. It's my second favorite movie of all time. What's and the first? Evita. Oh yeah. And uh, it's uh, always gonna be my second favorite movie because nothing can beat it other than my first favorite movie well that's that's fair (laughs) yes uh what would you say about the book any final thoughts on the book um i think the book was uh 
better than the movie in a lot of ways. Um, but also worse in a lot of ways. So Yeah, the, the charm of the actors elevates the movie beyond. I just think it would have been nice if the movie stayed closer to how the book was, because I really liked the plot of the book, but I liked the, uh, the like, narrative style of the movie better. Mm. You know? Yeah, and I think the kids are really cute and have a fun kind of um, chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. And even though there's lots of grandpas, I think the grandpas are fun. It is just kind of weird that all the all the secondary characters are old men. I just really wish they had the <laughs> European cabal stuff in the movie. I thought that was really fascinating. And um, I'll say again, I really think that it, it would have made the movie a lot better if they would have kept the part where Tia couldn't uh, speak out loud. Oh, yeah. I, I Just, just uh, since we're almost sending this down here, I did think it was interesting Kim Richards' voice. Like she has kind of a, kind of a deep. Yeah, she sounded like a grown woman. Yeah, kind of a husky kind of voice to her. I thought that a few times too. I was like, I was like, is this like a uh, voiceover of like an adult? Like, it was, it was interesting for sure. Yeah, I kept thinking she'd make a great uh, voice actress as a kid. Yeah. So distinctive sounding. Yeah, she sounded very mature. Mm-hmm. But that goes along with like that kind of weird accent they do too. That, that's fair. Not accent, but like, you know, the way that they speak. It's like a different kind of cadence. Mm-hmm. Did definitely make me want to watch that um, Devil Hound movie because she's really good in uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Hmm. In her brief little scene, she makes a big impact, I think. Well, we should watch it. And so I wanted to see more stuff. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. curious to check that out. I'd be interested in that as well. Oh, and another thing is, um, I honestly wish they had kept Father O'Day as a father. Um, I liked it. I liked the weird, like, devil stuff, and how he, they kept being like, oh yes, our, our hornless adversary, like, I thought it was really weird, and kind of, like, borderline offensive, in a good way. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. I did think it was funny, but I was also like... Yeah, like I even looked up. I was like, "Is Alexander Key Turkish?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "There's some weird Armenian kind of um, demonizing here, maybe." <laughs> yeah, they were against the Hungarians too. Oh, did they? Well, everyone is. I mean, <laughs> yeah, fuck Hungarians. Don't put that part in the. Podcast. No, that's horrible. It's horrible to my Hungarian <laughs> listeners, if there are any out there. Um, we appreciate you and love you. <laughs> No, but seriously, I, I think they should have kept him as a priest. I thought it was funny, and I thought they should have kept the weird devil stuff, and the the anti-communism stuff, and I think they should have made him a young, athletic dude. I wish he was younger. With an Irish accent. Because there's too many grandpas, but I'm glad they took away the priest, because they don't like priests. <laughs> they, you, know who they, you know who should have played Father O'Day? Who? The Rock. Well, I mean, just, just wait. We'll watch Race Twitch Mountain, and he'll be named... Rocco Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so terrible. <laughs> I hope that's not his name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the character's name is in that movie. <laughs> oh, but anyway, yeah, catch catch us next time if we cover the sequel, uh, which stars Christopher Lee. So we probably won't cover the sequel, but we we will cover the Lizzie McGuire movie. Perhaps, perhaps, because you want to. I I don't know if I have anything to say about that movie, but. I can promise you right now that we will cover the Lizzie McGuire. Maybe. Thank you, and have a good day. Yeah, peace.
Did we ever watch something called Beyond Witch Mountain? No, we didn't. That's a TV uh, pilot, right? They're going to start a TV series. Yeah, I, th I think Eddie Albert also came back for that. Is there any way to find it? Does, was it, it looks like it was released because there's a picture of what looks like a DVD cover. Um, if it's released, we can definitely cover it because me and Isaac do a show called Pilotsville. Where we cover failed TV pilots. So I would definitely add that on the list. It says it's currently unavailable on Amazon, but we might be able to find it because it was released at some point. I need to look on Disney+. Plus. I'll trim my little bit out here. It's part of Disney Generations collection. Hmm. Might be on... Maybe I'll look on YouTube. Only 48 minutes, too. Yeah, I've been looking for a way to resurrect that show because we've been um, so busy doing other things that we've kind of fallen off our Pilotsville. Oh, and apparently Eddie Albert is in it. Yep. Oh, so it is. It's supposed to be like a sequel, like they how they kind of set up the end of the movie that way. Like about different siblings, I think. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, at the end of the movie he said he wanted to go look for other kids, which I thought was a nice little ending for him. Some sort of uh, compensation for the fact that they were just kind of abandoning him. Mm-hmm. After he finally found a family after all those years. <laughs> oh, apparently T and Tony are in it, played by different actors. But they go um, but they go to help him find other survivors. Oh, okay. That, that, that could have been a fun show. Yeah. That's always the fun thing about doing Pilotsville, is kind of theorizing what, what the show could have been. But Mr. Bolt is still after them, which sounds unrealistic. I wonder if Ray Milland came back. And he kidnaps Jason. Huh? <laughs> And he has to, and T and Tony have to rescue him. You're spoiling the whole show. I mean, we gotta wait till we uh, we see. I'm it here. sorry. I'm just reading this Amazon <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah, like for whatever reason, I've been watching um, uh, WWE stuff the past few days. I noticed that. Yeah, it, it came up on my uh, recommendations once, and I was like, ah. What does the E stand for? Uh, it's World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh. I first I actually thought the second W stood for wide, so that's why I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, when I was a little kid, it was um, World. It was WWF when I was watching that stuff back in the day. Worldwide fights. Uh, I was uh, World Wrestling Federation. Oh man, it's never going to be called Worldwide. And once I once it became like super well known that it was all fake, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to watch this anymore. But now, looking at it again, I'm like, well, why did I care? It was obvious it was fake. It was all just a big, like, stage performance. So I'm kind of like, ah, oh, it was still entertaining. But anyway, I don't know how I got off on that tangent. 